0: Chef Brad Long, uh, you are one of the most celebrated and respected chefs anywhere, uh, owner and operator of the toque that you're wearing, the Café Belong at uh, Toronto's uh, Evergreen Brickworks. Thank you so much for taking the time, sir, to join me on the Fact Up podcast.
1: Well, cheers, Jim. It's good to be here. How's your 2020 going, Chef? Oh, 2020 (laughs) is (laughs) amazing. Come on, that's not a valid question.
0: <laughs> you know, if it, you, you, you've been a musician in the past. My, my first question, I guess, is, you know, what song describes what's going on in the
1: restaurant industry right now? Ooh. Oh, come on. That, you got Okay. <clears throat> I'll work one of on several, maybe. Yeah. I, I have to think about that one for a second. <laughs> think about it. We'll come back to it. Well, I mean, it's sort of like, it, it is kind of like Stormy Monday, right? Which is, which is an all-blue song. It's really just about working. You know, and basically, it's, and this is the attitude of how I'm getting through it. So maybe I'll just choose that song without giving it a lot of thought because cause Stormy Monday is really just about working and getting a paycheck and trying to live otherwise, right? Working toward, you know, the Eagle Flies on Friday and, and Saturday night I go out to play. So we don't get to do any of that. So I think that that's what everyone's just jonesing for. And that's what I found, to be honest, was going on in the restaurant is that, we could only really open the patio. And then we did, and then we realized no one, my clientele didn't want to go inside. They said, no, 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 we just want someplace safe, someplace good, and uh, just please just keep it simple. And, And I don't know, that was the key. I just listened to my staff and the other people that were coming instead of having some big, well, you know, everything from, it's all about me, (laughs) it's so hard on me. It's like, I'm hard on everybody. And B, you know, I I think that it's just, it it ended up that it made me get through it better. I think that's the best way to put it, is that being um, open to hearing what everyone else felt. So I wasn't setting policy as much as I was you know, part of building policy with my team and my clientele, which right. and the policy ended up just being let's just be polite, let's be respectful, and let's support the community by wearing masks and, and keeping everything to the rule book.
0: You've been, you've been at this for, for a long time. Uh, you know, you've perfected your craft over over decades. What does where does this rank in your timeline of experiences?
1: Ooh. See, these are good questions, man. Thanks, man. um it's pretty iconic actually i mean i've never really experienced anything like this quite i don't know i mean that's 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 flat out i've never experienced that's because no one has this is worldwide right now Anyone who's alive is it's pretty rare i mean my great yeah my great grandfather uh Actually, my name, my middle name is Charles, and Charles long died in the Spanish flu pandemic wow. in my hometown in in Norfolk County. So, you know, I, I mean, I didn't even know that until the pandemic. My brother said, my older brother said, oh, did you know that our great-grandfather died from... Wow. And that sort of brings it all, like, right into focus really quickly, where you realize... Uh, first, it's like, uh, and then you realize, oh, this has touched my family. This is serious. And... And I think the thing I throw in here now is that no one seems to quite clue in that we're doing better because of the masks and the social distancing and the shutdowns than on the same timeline as other pandemics. Mm -hmm. I think we are smarter. At least we know what the word virus means. Right. There's a lot of stupid people out there who think virus means something Far more insidious than it is, just like bacteria, right? Right. right. I mean, I work, that's the business I work in. We talk about vi- not so much viruses, but bacteria and toxins and contaminants and cross contamination all the time. We're always trying to keep things in the safest place possible. And when this hit, it's funny, but I mean, talk about! I icon- as we all just looked at each other, and it was just like. I don't know what to do. I can't fix it with food. And it's not really even ruining food. It's it's ruining our ability to enjoy food. Right. And we all looked at each other and said, how do you wear a mask when you cook? And then, you know, we started discovering the PPE options, you know, the big shields and all these mm-hmm. things. And after a while you realize, you know, it's... It's mostly that you have to do exactly in a pandemic as a cook, as a tradesperson, the exact same things pretty much that you would do every single day. Right? We're still cleaning sterilizing surfaces and we're still cooking everything thoroughly and temperatures and holding and all those things. What's changed really is it hasn't changed that much for cooks. It's all to do with the the building that you're in and how you treat the guests, how you record the documentation, their temperatures, who's coming and going.
0: The common theme that I've been hearing from people is, you know, especially restaurateurs is we've done everything we can possibly do to make everything safe for people coming and going and eating and enjoying the experience. Are restaurants getting
1: hosed? What, what's the deal here? Are they being singled out in your opinion? All right. Let me, let me do this so that it doesn't sound like i you know, I'm from the the conspiracy side or something. And that is this. My restaurant's in the middle of, a, of the Don Valley, in the middle of a park. And um, it's busy down there right now. People have nowhere else to go. So I've become, instead of what was 12 months ago, sort of the figurative edge of town, now I am the center of the universe for people in the GTA because, you know... It's a safe place to be. You've been told it's okay to go outside. you got to go outside. you got to get exercise. you got to get sunshine. And if you have a dog or you have any kind of romance or family, it gives you a chance to actually get together without risk. So mm-hmm. we have had a lot of people on the site. Since the shutdown happened in March all the way through, the site of Evergreen has been packed with people. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say packed. They're quite distanced. But it's 1,000 people a day. And on Saturdays, it's been two, 3,000 people or more. And we have never shown up. Now I'm just doing the thing where I'm cursing myself. But yeah. we've never shown up on any connection to uh, any transmissions. So I say, I have a restaurant. I have nine tables. They're outside. I could still be on a nice day, even though it's winter. You know, we're Canadian. We can sit outside and eat if we dress properly but I'm shut down and I'm not allowed. So I have a beef, and then I know that we're not a transmission spot, and I know we can do it safely, but I, I follow the rules. And I do so in the sense that, A, we're all in this together. This isn't on me or my industry or anyone else's. It's different. And if you're a big box store, you have advantages. If you're an insurance company, you have a lot of advantages and also a lot of stories. If you're a huge franchise, or a multinational corporation in my industry, you have a way advantage over me as a small independent. Do I feel that that's unfair somehow? No, that's called life. I made my choices. I made my location choice. I built what I built. I run it the way I do. And I serve what I do. And I don't think that you're supposed to blame somebody else for that. If I if someone had marched me into the brickworks with a gun to my head and said, you're going to open a restaurant here and you're going to like it. <laughs> you know, right. there's a lot of opportunity to crap that out, but it's this, this, this not right. I didn't in any way have things imposed upon me by anyone other than, please do this. This is what we need to do. And here, by the way, here's a bunch of supports.
0: You know, have you been inspired by the community support? Um, in, in the city that have, you know, a lot of restaurants have, you know, sponsored teams in the past and, and the memes have gone out and the, and the messages have gone out to, well, now is the time to support that local restaurant that's supported you for all these years. Has Have you found inspiration through that? And have you found inspiration from other restaurateurs that have given back and continuously kind of give back to the community, even when, you know, life is hard?
1: Well, I mean, I can Just to put it in an immediate perspective, we are my, my, you know, restaurant associations, you know, Restaurants Canada and the Ontario Restaurant Hotel Motel Association, of which I'm a member of both, post every year the, you know, the aggregate expected revenues of an average mid, you know, independently owned and the chain restaurants. And and my restaurant is in that group that gets typically two and a half to four percent profits a year. And I hired a running GM a couple of years ago and he went through the numbers and went, you don't, you don't really you, you just break even, but you give away two and a half percent of your revenue to charity every year. Right. And and you show up at the charity events and 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 you know and work them and stuff too, very often. And, and why do you do that? And the answer is if you're really good to other people and you're fair and you're reasonable and you pitch in and you try to contribute it comes back and it protects us all i'm a i was anybody who knows me has heard me rant about community something that was taught to be my parents and and my father was a huge part of the community he was in and what i mean by that is is that he participated in it right and 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 it just made our uh, lives in a small town more stable,
0: yeah,
1: better, last yeah. longer. You have people to turn to. Right. And and I gotta say, my father's funeral was one of those funerals where it was also a spillover room where I had to be televised. And, and people just kept coming to me and said he helped me. He was really nice. So I had a problem and he helped me with it. And and right. and, and so you are standing there and you don't really know these things until something really bad happens because life is hard. And I, I got this wonderful realization that that he did what he wanted to do and he did the stuff that was good and in the end it made his life for him worthwhile instead of because i watch a lot of people scream into a cell phone now on a social media thing saying how unfair life is and how they should have a right to be open and how it's a conspiracy and this is all bullshit and everything else And, and and this is where i i have to come back to is this i'm pretty sure that's not true Pretty sure it's not a conspiracy, but I know for a fact you want to get through a conspiracy. You want to get through crappy times. You want to know what to do when life is hard. Is, is pull everyone around you closer.
0: I mean, with all the challenges and unpredictability in the in the industry, on a on a, you know, at, at Cafe Belong, how does how has your menu changed uh, oh, since this whole thing started?
1: I already have a small menu. When the COVID hit, it got smaller because yeah. we just went with first of all that which was um you know important to support like the farmers to some extent you know narrowing it down to who needed to keep moving stuff Mm -hmm. or else it backs up and then there's also you know you have to have the array of proteins and and starches vegetables garnishes so all the things that we need but we had to shrink that down too because you can't buy a lot Uh, less staff so you have less man hours to do all the the specific mise en place complexities because I mean you know this a plate that has 25 different moves on it is beautiful and it's interesting and it's lovely experience to eat but it doesn't actually make it better than a plate that has five moves on it if everything is properly cooked and beautiful and everything else so everything got simpler is basically how it goes but I think the best way to do this is that I sat in the restaurant in April, May, and June, and the beginning of July by myself, and looked from the dining room outward, through walls of my restaurant or windows, and I just watched walk people past and waved at the people that I knew, and just watched the news and listened to the medical reports and tried to understand what everyone else was doing and what the world was doing, what the government would allow me to do, and finally, I could have concluded my brain and I brought in my management team. There's five of us. And I said, look, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this at all. If we're going to compromise or we're going to sort of kick the can around. I said, this is still good. We still have a pretty restaurant. We still have access to farms. I mean, there's one right there. I'm a local purchaser in season and people said, what's going to happen to your supply chain? And I'm like, I'm a local purchaser in season. It didn't affect me at all. Right. Uh, I, we have everything that we have. Um, in fact, it, it got a little thin because everyone turned to my supply chain, who they made fun of for you. Why do you buy all this stuff from my- <laughs> <All> Right. right. <laughs> all of a sudden, right. can you get some of this stuff from Ontario? You're like, yeah. There's right. a lot actually, and it's really good. And I just said to them, I don't want to work hard. I don't want to agonize when I know it's going to be about 20, 25% of the revenue, and it's going to be hard to pay our bills. It's going to be hard on our staff who can't come back. It's going to be weird on the guests because everything is totally different. And I said, so if we're going to do this, and I just, we've all looked each other in the eyes and I said, we're going to enjoy this. We're going to have fun and we're going to make it really, really good. We're going to like be proud of the little piddling bit of business that we can possibly do now and we are going to try and make people happy and give them some point of joy and nutrition and flavor and camaraderie. And, and that's it. I mean, that is the premise of why we reopen and I'm sticking with that from, from now on in. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Here's the thing. When, when you have
0: companies like Uber now and, and skip the dishes and, and Foodora and all these different, um, you know, food delivery services, they take a giant cut as, I mean, you're, you're front and center with knowing that far better than, than me as a restaurateur, how do you find that balance now between, um, getting your, getting your meals to people, taking that cut, um, but also making it still affordable for the customer. How do you find that balance?
1: Well, is there a balance to be found? um this is a really big question yeah it's it's loaded for sure let's just do well it's not so loaded because i would i would say most people this is my career you just asked about i mean this is where i work it's part of it is the stewardship of the land i i'm a cook who became aware of a bigger sort of thing and put it all into into sort of the food itself as opposed to this is my garnish and you cannot change it. You know, right. the stuffy chef thing burns out or it did with me pretty fast. Mm-hmm. And it was more about the guests and where the stuff came from. You know, we're just middle people. So it was probably three, four years ago. I don't know when Uber Eats kicked in, but I got a call, right? And, and I didn't know anything about it. This is the first call. And I said, oh, oh, so you're a food delivery. And they're like, yeah. We've had actually a lot of people asking about your food in your restaurant, which I have no idea whether that's true or not. <laughs> that's always one of their lines. Right. We have a lot of people want your food, so you know we can sell it right away. And so you go, great. So how does it work? Well, we give you a laptop, and then the and you can set whenever you can sell stuff. You know, you can turn it on and turn it off, and you can sell whatever you want. And like, okay. Oh, and they and then they say, and we take thirty percent of everything, and you do this. I've been in this business a long time, and you know what? I'm pretty good at math. And I said, oh, so we just put 30% on my price and, and move on? Because I don't, honestly, if you're going to buy my food and sell it to somebody else, drive it around, put it in a bigger box, I don't care. And, and you want to collect that money. If you can get that money, great. In fact, if anything, it'll probably just make more people come to me because mm-hmm. you're 30% more expensive than my own stuff. Right. And they said, no, no. No, no, no. You have to cover the 30%. And, and I... Yeah, I'm really sorry if that person's listening. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I just, just said, what the fuck? Are you nuts? What, the, how, what an imbecilic idea this is. This will never work. Why would anyone in their right mind ever sign up for this? And all of those people who did when the pandemic hit are out of fucking business now. That, that is, I mean, you know, if I look at Uber, Uber Eats right now, and this is just, this is me. But I mean, I, I see them as, as, you know, like death with a big, you know, hooded thing and the scythe. I mean, they just stand over the dead around, their littered at their feet of little independent restaurants who, who were people who met well, people whose whole business and whole family was built around these little restaurants, live above the restaurant, all this stuff. I mean, thankfully, that's not exactly what I am. I was in the industry and then I opened a restaurant. So I had some awareness. I had a a bigger uh, set of experiences across a wider range of possibilities. I wasn't just like, oh my God, I have to do something. There's a pandemic and I got to deliver my food and you guys will deliver it? Okay, so I'll do it. And they sign up and then they go, how come I owe you more money as a delivery agent than I'm losing money and you're getting all my money? And so they're killing people and it's horrible. It's wrong, but it's, they signed up for it. They didn't know the math. And if you, it's capitalism, if you can be a rapacious pig and kill everybody, I guess you win. Right, right. But, Ultimately, really what goes on is that it's 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 just math, right? The the ratios basically what Uber Eats and, and Skip the Dishes do is they they are aberration to the standard that we were welded to probably 60s and the 70s in North America which is basically a third is the cost of food. A third is all their labor. And then the rent heat, hydro linen, crystal cutlery, garbage, all that stuff comes out of the last third. And there's about two to 4% left over to as profit at the end of the thing that you, probably not paying yourself i would imagine goes to an investor right right and 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 so the point there really is is that this business was right on the precipice of imploding down in on itself anyway the pandemic just pushed it in faster we were going that way anyway we have not changed our pricing skills so the thirds started to become bigger than thirds and the profit was squeezed out. In the 80s, if you owned a restaurant, you're probably making 12 to 15% profit. Hmm. The prices didn't change. And so what changed was the profit went down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you have to charge, we all. So is it fair to go out and buy, is, is it a good value to buy a, a Big Mac? Is it a good value to buy, um, you know, something from fresh? You know, you sort of assume that those are at least nutritionally, you know, stratified that way. Right. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's really supposed to be what the market can bear. It's just that we all don't seem to be very brave about what the market can bear. There's a great story, Mark McEwen, when he and this is why I was at Pronto. He, he was building North 44. He took the brigade over to help finish and had to hire North for Pronto. And so I got in there in 1989, he opened North, and Mark's the one that told me the story, you know, and and I've heard this via a couple other sort of journalistic channels, is that he opened, everyone went to North 44, Pronto was empty for about two months, because it was like, we gotta go to the new place. There wasn't that many people that dined out. This is, you know, 1990. Mm -hmm. And, And he was, once everyone had gone, who goes out to restaurants? They all sort of shifted back to their patterns. They came back to Pronto? Pronto went back to being fine, and North was like, because huh, huh, huh. mm-hmm. it was big and it had a big debt load because he just built it, and it wasn't and it needed to be rammed. And and this is Mike McEwen. He looked at the numbers. He's not a stupid person. He looked at the numbers. He looked at the time. He looked He looked at the people out the window. He he just took stock of everything and realized this isn't going to work unless I start charging $35, $38, $42 for main courses and every, all the prices have to go up. Mm-hmm. And and my response to him is thank you for being brave enough to do that because that's we're talking about a guy who's king of the GTA as yeah. chef yeah. financially and, and he's well-respected and he's the TV thing, but it's math. That that got him past all that, and it's also that like what I do is worth it. What I buy is good, and what we make in the room and the service and the wine and everything goes with it. It's worth it. Pay it if you want to come. Pay it. I always
0: I always feel like I should do podcasts with chefs with a full stomach. Man, like it's it's always a conversation, and it's like if I'm at least a little bit hungry. Oh man, well, it's killing me.
1: <laughs> but I mean, when you, you look at some of the burgers out there that are 14, 15, 16 bucks now, and they're still just this shitty frozen patty that's yeah. four bucks. Yeah. But so right now, the good thing about North American food through the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s is it was all basically the same. It was all basically priced the same. And and when it was fine dining, it was already really expensive and you knew it and you didn't go there anyway because you had to put on a suit and I don't like doing that shit. So piss off. Right. And now what's happening is that there was like there was this and then there was everything down here. right? And, and the pandemic killed everything in the middle again because it all started to bubble up. And so now really what there is is this huge block of stuff at the bottom, nothing in the middle. And then there are all the people that me are out there and mostly like a lot of us in the GTA who buy from farmers and make this food fresh and, and do a whole big service and, and and everything about the evening that you go out right um so now is the time that you have to actually as the greater populace who are going to go out to eat is going to have to start looking at what they're getting now and, and having some ability to adjudicate whether it's actually worth it because food is from this moment forward going to become stratified into some very expensive stuff and I hope some mid-range stuff because the cheap stuff will will abound forever. And now you can get the cheap stuff wherever you happen to be sitting. Now right? mm-hmm. you just open your phone and it comes to you. Right. So, um, right. you know, it's changed your attitude about food. So it changed. Once your attitude and access to food changes, then that what you, how much you want to spend on it, what you understand it, and how you're going to, figure your week around that food should change too for 10
0: years you worked at uh, maple leaf sports and entertainment feeding millions of fans uh you know team meals for the raptors and the leaps what's a memorable a memorable moment that
1: sticks out for you during those years oh man so many i figured (laughs) some of them were just talking to the players and having getting those levels of understanding gary roberts was a guy who didn't give a shit about food and was a and then suddenly got yeah. hurt and sore and then and, and now thrives because of his, of his diet and his exercise regime so there's one yep. just because it was just like yeah dude um chris Bosch was such a lovely man and his mother and so just feeding him was just joy because he just loved the food right, right. <laughs> um, I have a great, it takes too long to tell, Andrea Bocelli's story about how basically I had to, he had a huge table of people, but I they wouldn't, or, we weren't allowed to order until I made him, and he and it passed muster, he ordered, he came into the kitchen actually and said, oh, uh, he wanted spaghetti con burro solamente, which is just, he just wanted spaghetti and butter and nothing else, oh, right. and I was actually like... Well, then I realized, oh, it's a test. <laughs> and, and I probably ended up, their bill at the end of the night was, I think, $8,000 or something wow. like that. They ate everything we had left. <laughs> Cooking has been told to so many people how complex and hard and long and everything is. And basically, it's a lie. It's not really that hard. It's, it's, it's a complex history it's the history of humanity it's all the cultures it's all the people it's all the villages it's all those all those families with their special recipes and then when they meet up and they mash those recipes up and or have a big you know whatever that's complex that's really deep and really hard to ever know all of the history of food and all the recipes and how it all came about and everything else but that's not what I mean. I mean, it is dead simple to learn how to cook for yourself. And it makes food thousands of times cheaper for you, more nutritious, and you control what you're going to eat and how it tastes. So it, there's no downside at all. And I'll tell you this, let I me mean, finish that by saying all you really not need to do is learn how to boil water. And you can make so many varied dishes from all over the planet just by learning how to boil water
0: that's it my final question for you where do you feel your soul lives?
1: in the truth I'm constantly searching for truth and it's just my soul aches when I hear somebody lie or I see something that isn't isn't right, isn't fair isn't the truth and when When I realize our business, very often, our industry, what we do as a society and with food is going the wrong way, my soul aches. It hurts. We don't have to be so stupid. We don't have to be so sure that it's important that we just do something else and then just cram food into our face because... food is that thing that's supposed to be threaded through all of your life and connected all from day to day. It's the friendships. It's the moments where you sit down. It's the, it's the thing that, that energizes you and fuels you and heals you and allows you to concentrate and focus. And, and it just brings joy. Even, you know, even in the worst of times, like a can of freaking, you know, corned beef in a trench, I can imagine was the only moment of joy or relief in the most miserable thing I can imagine, which is war. So the idea that we should try and throw that off, let it be mechanized or processed or put into someone else's realm, or we should just eat, you know, green meat out of a tube, so that we are getting the nutrients we need. I, I is unacceptable, and it's sad, and it's stupid, and and like I said, if you know how to do the food thing, if you listened. If you sought out that information, it doesn't take long at all. And you actually eat better and save money. Right. And I'm a restaurateur telling you to learn how to cook and eat at home. So you got to know that's not something that I would say if it was frivolous. and
0: dumb. That's right. That's the truth. I love your restaurant. There's been so many photo shoots that I've done there and, and for Toronto.com and Yellow Pages. And, and uh, my, my boss back in the day, she more uh, my client, she's like that picture you took at Cafe Belong with the chicken. I can't get that out of my head. So obviously I'm doing something right, but it's not me. It's, it's fundamentally you and your staff. So I thank you.
1: Great team. It's a really good team. Right. I, I'm really lucky that way.
0: Awesome chef. Thank you so much. Take care, man. You too. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.